WTF, you're on the series What the Future. What the Future aims to dive deep into hot topics that you, the youth, may be scratching your heads about. Basically, we ask tough questions so you don't have to. What the... Hi everyone, it's Jermaine and Avery here with you and thank you for joining us on our brand new podcast series, WTF, What, what the, the Future. Future. That's right, What the Future aims to deep dive into some hot topics. Yes, I can't swim so don't ask me to do that. Uh, such as globalization and geopolitics. What? Basically, yeah. we are going to ask the hard questions so that you don't have to. Exactly. Um, <laughs> because we don't know anything about it either. So we're the perfect candidates for this. <laughs> and What the Future, this is a podcast by the National Youth Council's Asia Ready Exposure Program, AEP, in partnership with the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Today, we're talking about globalization. Did we study that in school? Obviously, she didn't Ms. pay Tan, you didn't teach me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we live in one of the most competitive cities in the world. And this is well known. We talked about this on the radio a while back. Um, and I think that that means that this world that we live in, we have to work with a lot of foreign investments and foreign... What's the word for it? Talents? Yes. Yes, of yeah. course. I mean, the competition is heavy here because Singapore is such a global hub, you mm. know? But what does it mean, you know, for a Singaporean to live in something called a global city or yeah. an open economy? Like, what does that actually mean to you? What is an open economy? Exactly. Um, Obviously, we don't know yes. anything about this, but thankfully, yeah. we do have our experts here with us today. Today, we have our first expert joining us, the founder and CEO of Climate Alpha and the founder and managing partner of Future Map. Please welcome Dr. Parak Khanna. Thank you very much. So, should we Great go by you guys. Dr. Parak or Dr. Khanna or, or just, just Parag? There you go. In, in perfect synchronicity too. Yeah. Just Parag. Okay, so just Parag, tell us a bit more about FutureMap as well as Climate Alpha. Great. So FutureMap is actually a company I founded here in Singapore. We do strategic advisory consulting for governments and companies. And Climate Alpha is a software company that tries to adapt real estate and property, something we all know very well here in Singapore, to climate change. So also joining us on this first episode is our second speaker, the Director of Security and Global Affairs from our partner, the Singapore Institute of of International Affairs. Please welcome Mr. Nicholas Fang. Hi guys, thanks so much for having me. Alright, so are you like the serious guy? Today? No, uh, I thought Parag was the <laughs> serious <laughs> guy. <laughs> but, uh, serious uh, I mean, we are super happy to be part of this series as well. The SIA, Singapore Institute of International Affairs, is actually the oldest think tank in Singapore. It was uh, sort of founded in 62, operational in 1963. Uh, so it's actually older than the state of Singapore itself. It was oh, founded wow. pre-independence, if you Fun think about it. with Mr. Nicholas Farm. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, we focus on uh, some of our taglines are, you know, we try to be a think tank for thinking people, but we also try to make international affairs relevant to Singapore and make Singapore relevant to international affairs. So it's, it's really exciting to be talking about, hopefully what would be an interesting topic as well. Speaking of that word, we heard it when both of you were saying it, globalization. I think the first thing we need to ask is how do you break that down? What exactly is globalization? Okay, so globalization is the worldwide interconnectivity. It's the process of building and using connections among all geographies, people, cities, uh, economies, technologies in the world. Right? So it's basically connectivity across space is globalization. So it's not just economics. The original globalization is just people. Humankind, our species, started wandering out of Africa 100,000 years ago and spread across the world. That's globalization. You send an email, that's globalization. You use e-commerce, that's globalization. You get on a plane, that's globalization. So globalization is 
quite frankly, almost everything in the world today, except for when you go out to a farm and plant a seed and grow a tree and harvest the orange and eat the orange. The wow. fertilizer that you look, use in the field, Absolutely. the equipment that you use to farm, yeah. you know, the, the labor that you might have to help you farm, that, that could all be from from somewhere else in the world. Mm. Well, globalization yeah. sounds like it's it's a good thing. Mm. You know, we, we share each other's resources, perspectives, um, and, and that helps us move forward as, as you know, a whole world. But I understand it comes with its own set of challenges, yeah. especially for Singapore. Well, so Nick says it has its pros and its cons, but the worst mistake would be to not even appreciate that dependency, to either take it for granted or to think it doesn't exist. Right now in the world, you have societies or voting groups, definitely in Western countries, that are anti-globalization. It's not because they've actually been harmed directly by globalization. It's because they don't understand how much it has benefited them. So for example, they may say, I lost my job making cars in Michigan, in America, because that job went to China. What they don't understand is that they probably will get a better job doing something that's higher value added by a company that might be an Asian company and that the phone that they have, their iPhone or whatever, would have cost nine times more. But then there's the managing it part because Singapore is literally the most import dependent country in the world. What does that mean? Well, let's go back to food. Do you grow your own food? Any of you grow your own food? No. So now Singapore is trying very hard to grow a bit more food. And that's that's brilliant. It's technologically sophisticated and clever, and it will make us more resilient. But at the end of the day, let's say that even by the year 2030, 70% of the food that we eat in this country is going to come from somewhere else. How about our fuel, you know, oil, gas, all those other things, right, is generated elsewhere. We import it. So we in Singapore must appreciate and manage globalization even more than any other average country out there, right? Because we're small. Small countries depend on imports, right? And of course, there's many ways in which Singapore benefits from globalization. It's also really good to understand all of those dimensions too. And so again, that's globalization work. Hmm. If you look at our entire society, we, we tend to forget, I know we hear about it in our history lessons and stuff like that, but we are a very globalized society. You could call it an immigrant society, but we've come from a lot of different places to be here, uh, to, to, to have the place that we, we like and that we appreciate today as well. So when we talk about this, this issue of, oh, I, I feel you know, threatened by globalization. I feel, um, you know, the, the sort of negative uh, impacts of globalization. Or we start to channel some of the ideas from the West, as what Parag was saying, about, you know, a more nationalist, more closed off, make dot, 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 great again type of societies. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to ask ourselves, uh, where do we actually come from? And if we mm -hmm. appreciate that, then potentially we need to understand globalization a bit better, not be so afraid of it, or not to view it in such negative terms. You said that a lot of people actually fear globalization. So bringing it back to Singapore, right? I think a lot of the youth growing up now will be having this exact fear that you're speaking of because they will always think, you know, I hear this thing that I'm competing for jobs with people from other countries. How does that affect me growing up? Am I going to be struggling for a job? So let's touch on that a little bit. And what would you say to the youth that are worrying about that? 
This notion of competition coming in, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing because it pushes you to to want to do better, right? So a lot of it is an attitude or mindset shift rather than thinking about, oh, all these people are coming in to compete against me. Uh, well, life is hard, you know, and life com increasingly gets harder. Uh, people could be competing with you from another country or they could be competition within your own local environment. Uh, it's not something that we should necessarily shy away from. Uh, and I think our government has made it very clear that they want to prioritize a Singaporean core mm -hmm. because from a very practical perspective, they know that people who are here, who are here as permanent residents or, or whatever, always potentially could leave. Um, so in that sense, I don't think we should necessarily worry about a tough competition or a tough playing field. That's the only way that we could get get better. I'm hearing that it's, it sounds like healthy competition mm, that yeah. helps us, you know, all improve and, and move forward. Um, but something that the youth might be interested to know that I also found out uh, from today's episode is that our Deputy Prime Minister Lawrence Wong actually said this, that the golden age of globalization is over. And many have been calling 2022 the end of globalization. Can globalization truly end? What does that no. mean? It, it's when some people are caught up in the moment and definitely there is Risk, there are risks to globalization, and he and others are absolutely correct to point out those risks. So the punchline is don't lose too much sleep about this. Just 20 years ago were the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York. People said this is the end of globalization. In 2007-8, you had the global financial crisis. People said that was definitely the end of globalization. In 2016, you had Brexit and Trump getting elected in America. People definitely said, oh, this is the end of globalization. And then here's one everyone can remember, COVID, right? People said this is the end of globalization. Supply chains have been disrupted. There literally is no methodology for all of you students out there. Ask your teachers about, you know, econometrics. Is there any way to capture what happens when Taylor Swift's album comes out and a billion people download it? Now, now Spotify is a Swedish company, but the song gets downloaded all over the world. And Spotify has offices everywhere that collect the money. The money never makes it back to Sweden intentionally because it's held by all these different firms. People are listening to that music everywhere. You're starting to get the picture, right? Yeah. It's all in the cloud. The world economy is becoming one big globalized cloud. And there is no way to capture you know, the, the notion globalization is ending. It's like, don't worry about globalization. Worry about your role in it. But how do you know, like as, as someone who is going to work for soon, right? How do you know what skills do I need? What should I learn? What, what degree should I take? What career path? Should I pursue? That's a great question. Mm. So if you wanted to find out what you should do to stay competitive in, in the next 10, 20, 50 years, the information is all out there, right? There's stuff about technology, fintech, the latest kind of AI robotic stuff. You know, Parks kids are super into, into <laughs> the latest cutting-edge technology and wow. they, are, they are very young. And so if we spend less time complaining and more time <laughs> learning and advancing ourselves, uh, we end up in a better position. One thing is you're not alone here in this country when you're trying to figure out what you want to do. I remember about six or seven years ago speaking to um, some of the faculty at NTU, and they're always updating their curricula, right, as are all universities. And they're saying, well, what are the next five courses that we are going to offer that we've never offered before? And I remember one really stood out. It was game design. 
Mm. Right? And it's like, well, they haven't taught game design before, but guess what's a huge part of the economy, right? Gaming is worth more than all Hollywood movies and all music and all sports, real physical sports. So we're talking about so esports. So they they thought about that. They've analyzed the global market. They're offering that. So now you're if you're a Singaporean student, like you now have this opportunity to train and learn in this area that they have already analyzed is going to be a place, you know, a field to be working in. Let me give you a scenario, right? Because you say gaming is such a huge thing now. Let's say I take game design, okay? And I get a job overseas in another market doing game design. That's globalization, but that doesn't necessarily contribute to Singapore's economy, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I, as the talent, have taken a job overseas, well, then how, how does that, you know, bring it back to Singapore? How does that benefit us? So it's not true that when you take that job and you go abroad that you're not contributing to Singapore because it could have been Rakuten out of Japan or SoftBank that funded the company that you're working for um, that bought a share of electronic arts in California, which then hired you in Singapore, but then sent you to Korea to go work with the team over there or sent you to Los Angeles, but you're still potentially paying your taxes in Singapore. And then the growth of the sales from the games that you're selling winds up increasing the corporate profits, which then they reinvest in Singapore and hire more people here, right? And so do a holistic having. By leaving Singapore, you're not detracting from Singapore. Yeah. I mean, I personally think it's great to come back physically to Singapore and spend more time here, but but you will, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so where you physically are is not always as important mm -hmm. as where you digitally are and where you financially are and those kinds of things. Again, holistic accounting. But if I picked up on Parra's last point there, right, is this notion of it's always good to come back. Right? I think, uh, again, not to belabor the point, but our one resource that we have is our people and if thanks to globalization people you know spend time you know abroad they find that they like it there and eventually they want to move there if that happens on too large a scale then we will run into some problems down the road um, but this notion of you know if you could go and work for a big Rakuten or whoever overseas um, I think Singapore is now really trying to encourage a startup culture so is this notion of why don't you come back and why don't you try to build the next Rakuten out of Singapore yeah. mm -hmm. and to encourage the next generation to come up and be really good at what they do and 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 maybe you know be a force multiplier in the society as well. So that's something that I think you know hopefully as people look at it uh, and appreciate you know what Singapore has become as a result of globalization over the years, uh, they'll realize that it's not such a bad place to to want to come and stay. You know? So I think your point about startups in Singapore is very interesting because I think youth in Singapore are kind of leading towards that as well. They're kind of saying like, you know, oh, startups really are an option. But mm -hmm. I think a big concern for them would be, you know, the price of everything, you know, the increasing price of having to do a startup, you know, where am I going to find the capital? So as somebody who says that you're a serial startup, mm -hmm. right, what would be a good piece of advice that you have for the youth that want to say, you know, I, maybe I don't want to travel, but mm. I do want to have a startup here. What do I do? Mm. So there's two ideas to that. The first thing is I'm not sure how people know how hard or easy it is to start up a company in Singapore, to start a company in Singapore. It takes about half a day and you kind of need a $1 to register and start yeah. a company. I have a dollar in my pocket Listen. somewhere. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I also uh, attended a talk by Michelle Obama uh, a few years ago when she came here with her husband. And, uh, you know, I think the she was asked a final question, which is, what advice do you have for young people? And she said, oh, you know, it's very trendy nowadays to say YOLO, uh, chase your passion. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day. And she said, that's all very trendy. Uh, but passion and, and excitement and, and drive doesn't cut it if you don't have a plan. 
So have a plan. Running out there with all this excitement and enthusiasm without a plan means you'll most likely run into a wall, right? So figure out the plan first. There's a big globalization angle to this, um, which is that Singapore now is the third leading financial center in the world. So pretty much for every idea you could have for any startup that you would want to found, which you can do in 30 minutes or less, you know, um, there's going to be some investor out there who will say, you know what, this seems like a good bet. Let me, you know, give you some seed money, right, to start your company. I would just emphasize one other thing, don't do it alone, right? Do it with people who understand the global market. So just look at Singapore's Champions like um, you know uh, C Group and things like that, you know companies that started that started here, they took investment from China, from America, from Japan, from Canada, from everywhere. But they are now the regional champions, right? And now they've gone out, and they're some of the biggest companies in the region. They're listed in stock exchanges around the world. They're worth hundreds of billions of dollars. So there's a big global dimension to even your little startup idea. You want to capture that, understand it, map it out, capture it. So I think the three points we took away from that, if you want to have a startup, number one, have a plan. It takes a dollar. It takes a dollar <laughs> and 30 minutes. And also, what's the last one? Don't that you do said? it alone. Don't do it alone. Yeah. So three points. Okay. Have a dollar, have a plan, <laughs> don't do it alone. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Exactly. That's why we, we said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how is globalization, you know, beneficial within ASEAN in itself? How is it different from the world at large? Massively. So we're having this conversation at a point in time, in history, where ASEAN is becoming one of the pillars of the entire global economy. When we think about the world economy, you break it down by geography and size. You would say North America, right, particularly the United States, Europe, the European Union, particularly Germany. You would say India now is rising, one of the fastest growing economies in the world. China, of course, is effectively the largest economy in the world. Japan, ASEAN, Right up there as one of the top five economic blocks in the world. That's already right now. Again, which is the most important economy in ASEAN? Singapore, right? Of all of the capital that comes from all over the world into Southeast Asia, most of it comes through Singapore. Either stays in Singapore, invests in Singaporean companies, invests in regional companies that have headquarters here, or gets filtered through Singaporean companies to spread out to Vietnam, Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, and so forth. So we're deeply connected throughout ASEAN, and we are helping ASEAN rise up. Now, one thing that I think everyone should understand about ASEAN in this moment in history that I was describing is that this is going to last for a few decades. Again, connecting to the world economy, signing trade agreements, right? The world's largest trade agreement in any one region is called the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. Right here in Asia, it went into effect in early 2022. When you tick those boxes like young people, women, education, technology, infrastructure, capital markets, trade, when you tick all those boxes, guess what? A region thrives. And that's happening right now. Now, you don't get the credit for that. We don't get the credit for that. The seeds were planted, the foundations were laid over the last, like, say, 25, 30 years since the Asian financial crisis of the early 1990s. And this train has left the station, mm-hmm. right? We are living right now in Singapore, in ASEAN, at the most incredible time to be here in this region. We are a collection of 10 countries that most of us don't even have land borders with one another, right? We are not linked by a single land mass. We're just all kind of roughly in the same place and have a little bit of shared history over time. So 
I think the reason why is is very simple because we're all relatively small countries that if we don't come together, you know, and have a collective voice, then your voice doesn't really matter very much on a, on a global stage. This is a great point. So let's not confuse, let's say, Southeast Asia, right? This mm-hmm. geography, the demographics, the region, the history, um, the organic linkages with ASEAN, just the political body, right? I mean, most young people, most people in general are like ASEAN, they already fall asleep, like probably rightly so, right? But the dynamism of the region is not linked to just one diplomatic organization that gets together once a year, right? To create more globalization, more connectivity among them, to make it easier to travel around cross borders, to take your degree and to have that degree be recognized in any other country you go to. Absolutely. And that's why we've been talking about this, you know, AEP, Asia Ready Exposure Program. I think that's such an incredible chance for Mm. the youth in Singapore to um, learn from the different ASEAN states all around, you know, go there, find opportunities, um, learn about the culture, their historical significance, and then maybe bring that to Singapore and, and, you know, benefit each other. So thank you very much for joining us on this first episode of WTF, What What the the Future. Future. Make sure you visit National Youth Council's Facebook and Instagram. Leave a comment. What do you think about globalization? What's your role in it and which maybe ASEAN uh, member state would you love to visit and benefit from. But also, if you want to learn more about what's happening in the region, make sure to check out the AEP Asia Ready Exposure Program over at youthtopia.sg for more information. Yeah, it's your first stop resource portal for anything that matters to youths. Now, next episode, we're going to be talking about something that... um, well, it sounds like globalization, mm-hmm. but it's different. It's digitalization. Yeah, I've no concept of that, by the way. Well, can you imagine a world without technology, without this, without your phones? Without actually, what was that world like? That's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I knew you were gonna look oh at us, so you're gonna God. ask that question. We're but not that yeah, old. well, I had a pager. I don't know if you uh-huh. guys know what it was yes. Okay. Uh, yes, yes. before mobile phones were a thing, and then I had the first generation uh, Nokia the phone. Chunky, yeah, chunky phone. my mom had the brick with the antenna that you can still adjust. So so I guess digitalization is different for every generation. You know, we grew up with a smaller compact phone and now the iPhone is the next generation's or maybe it's still our generation's digitalization. Yeah, I think it's a good point that you made that every generation sees different type of technology. I had the time, I still had telex machines in my dad's office. It was like basically like a a fax but just much slower. Have you ever sent a fax before in your life? Uh, there's no way you've sent a fax. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no way. No way. There's like no you way. put the paper, then press send, and then the people go in. I mean, that that in itself is a very interesting technology. How, like how, a does, museum, it, how does it yeah, go? Yeah, like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Join us next week case. because we'll find out all about digitalization yes. and how this affects you in the future. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.